Welcome to the Avenue Community Church's podcast. We are a family of Christ followers seeking shalom in Memphis. We pray that you are encouraged by today's message. And as you listen, may the word of God shape you to be more like him. 1 Samuel 30 verses 1 through 6 says this, David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. And now the Amalekites had raided Negev and Ziklag. And they had attacked Ziklag and burned it and had taken captive the women and everyone else in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. When David and his men reached Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire, and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. David's two wives had been captured, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his son and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. And if you have elementary school or aged children, um, they are free to be dismissed at this time. Underneath that kind of right atrium. There you go, brother. Get on in there and learn about Jesus and all that fun stuff. Amen. Hey, if you, uh, you know, I love uh, when, we, when we introduce them gospel songs that all the black folks know, and y'all like, wait, what? Y'all kind of, huh, huh? Um, I was messing with Gina and uh, Matt today. I was like, man, you know, I feel like as long as I've been um, in church, that I've been hearing this story, this phrase, kind of encourage yourself. And I was like, Matt, you heard that before? He's like, uh, <laughs> uh. But this is like one of the top five sermons you're going to hear in a black church. They might put that thing on rotation about every year. Not that it's anything wrong with it. It's still sufficient. But uh, you definitely going to get a lot of it, right? Um, but I do think it's fitting. This is, if y'all would just give me one sermon a year, I usually... Um, try to uh, preach expositionally throughout uh, the scriptures. That means we just pick a book of the Bible and we just follow the contours of that book wherever it takes us. So we don't try to, I, I don't spend 52 weeks a year trying to impose upon you what I think God wants for you. We pray, we ask the Lord, Lord, show us the book that you want us to study. And we let that book take us through. We don't kind of react to culture and just, oh man, this happened, so we need to preach this. We rarely, rarely do that. Um, But I am taking the liberty on this last Sunday um, before I think we kind of really start a a, a new ministry calendar in a year. And it's like, man, this is a pastoral message. This is is a, a pastoral epistle. This is just my heart to you. God, what what, what have you burdened my heart with for the people that you have given me uh, to shepherd? And I think this story is, is so fitting. I think you are a very astute group of people. I don't know that I've been in front of a more learned group of Christians. You know your word. Turn to your other neighbor and say, we know our word. Turn to your other neighbor and say, if we was on Bible Jeopardy, we would win. I know my word. And if we were like the Baptists and we had all them competitions for the youth, we would be killing it. The avenue be killing it. Where the Presbyterian competitions at? They don't have them? They got to get those, man. Y'all don't, they, yeah, we got to work on that. Come on, man. Matt, we got to work on that, right? Um, so the problem today is I don't think it's a, a knowledge issue. My prayer for the Avenue Community Church is not that we would know more word, but that we would believe more word. 
That's my heart. When I'm on my knees before God and I got you on my heart, it's not that you would learn more. It's that you would believe what you already know. And so today I just thought this story would set us up for really a new series. This will be Encouraging Yourself. This will be our eight-week series, Encouraging Yourself, right? Scriptures to anchor your soul. Encourage yourself, and I'm going to give you scriptures to anchor your soul, right? Um, and so uh, as we begin a year, I, I, you know, I love new beginnings, even if I force them on the year. Like, I get two new beginnings every year, one on the calendar year and one when the school year starts. So I'll take the liberty to do that. Um, and I thought this story would be so apropos as you get ready to walk into a new season filled with highs and lows, new twists and turns. How do we continue to grow um, in our understanding of how we live in light of our union with the Lord Jesus and what he's done for us? And so I think there's nothing better than to look at this story and just see how David activates his position in in. in in God's family. Uh, you know David, right? Uh, if nothing else, you know that David took that little pebble, swoop, 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 swoop. He probably did a little gritty with it, you know what I'm saying? And then pop, boom, hit that big joker, knocked him down, right? Um, and he received so much acclaim. David's story um, really just has a bunch of highs and lows in it. And the height of it was really that. When he slew Goliath, he returned from that just amazing military campaign. And really, he enjoyed so much military success. He actually was so acclaimed that Saul's daughter became his wife. Saul's son actually became his best friend. This was the height of David's really early uh, uh, chapters of his life. Really, all that success, all the acclaim, they sang songs about him. Saul has killed his uh, thousands. David has killed his tens of thousands, right? David's riding high, right? Everybody say, but. It was a turning point. Um, you know, all that stuff got to King Saul, right? Saul was not immune from the jealousy, and so that set in. And so basically from 1 Samuel 19 on, David's on the run. Saul is looking, if you read through 1 Samuel, which was where we find most of the account of David's life, David is on the run from 1 Samuel 19 kind of on for a long time, at least till we get um, even past 30 and, and a little further, right? He's on the run. Uh, it's so wild. Things get so low that he's on the run. He actually ends up in Philistine territory, which was the, the homies of the big dude he slew, right? Right. So Goliath was a Philistine, right? So he ends up in the territory. He's surrounded. He got nobody with him. He actually has to play crazy just so that his life will be spared. He escapes with his life. He ends up running to this cave, and he he ends up drawing to him just a whole bunch of misfits. The scripture says that actually there was a bunch of people who also were in distress, people who were in debt, literally in debt, people who were bitter in their spirit. They all kind of joined to David in this king, and he began, he, he began to lead this group of misfits, right? And so as David was leading this group of misfits, he can't go home to Israel. He's despised by Saul. Everybody's trying to kill him. So he finds himself without a home. And so he actually goes back to the land of the Philistines, and he submits himself and his 600-some men, his hundreds of men, in service to the Philistine king, right? And that's how bad things have gotten. I think the, 
the best way I could put it is if your uncle, Johnny, and your auntie, Sheila May, who likes Auburn, you know, your, your uncle like UT, you know what I'm saying? But your other auntie, she like Georgia, right? It would be like them joining sides, hanging together, bitter rivals, right? Submitting to one another, right? Things have to be really bad if you go submit to the king who you defeated their champion. You go put yourself in his service. Things are bad. How many of y'all know things get bad? Things get weird. You know, let's just talk really quick about trajectories, right? You know, things can go, my, my buddy wrote a song called Up and Down, right? He had a really hard fall in ministry, and he wrote this song about how things can go up and then things can go down, right? So we see David at his height. Saul has killed his thousands. David's killed his tens of thousands. And now he finds himself covering himself in manure, acting like he's crazy in front of the Philistine king on the run from the nation that he preserved, things that went from up to down. But how many of y'all know this? Things can go from up to down, but they can also go from bad to worse. Now things have gone from bad to worse. Now David has actually submitted himself to these people, right? It's so crazy, right? So, in 2022 and 23, what do you do, Avenue Community Church, when things go from up to down? And I know you excited because you went to Target and you bought up all the highlighters and expo markers and you're feeling real good, right? Feeling real good. Now you got your new swag. You got your new, you got a new pep in your step. You, you went to Cancun. You got your little tan. You know what I'm saying? You're feeling real good about your life right now. But what do you do, Ab? When it goes from up to down. What do you do, Avenue, when you get to November and it's not up, down no more? It's bad to worse what you do. I think you better heed the words of this story. We got to learn how to encourage ourselves, verse 6, strengthen ourselves in the Lord. I don't plan on being before you long, but that's my plan. Amen. Hey, I think I just want to work with this framework. You could write it down somewhere. That I think in our journey to how we navigate this upcoming year, this every calendar year, I think one thing that I kind of see in this scripture is I think there's a time to pray, there's a time to process, and then there's a time to proclaim. That is for your alliteration. It's a time to pray, it's a time to process, and then it's a time to proclaim. Let's just talk about prayer real quick. This is not actually in this particular story, um, you know, overtly, but I think it's in the rest of 1 Samuel 30. Um, But let me just tell you, as you are walking through your year and you are trying to figure things out and navigate your ups and your downs, your bad and your worst, you better make sure to incorporate prayer into it. All kinds of prayer. Wake up early in the morning, pray. Pause a couple minutes before you eat your eight-piece chicken McNugget with the side of, you know, Chick-fil-A sauce and pray. And then before you go to bed and you watch your Netflix, cut the Netflix off and pray some more. And guess what? While you typing on your computer, be praying. And guess what? While you running on your mouth, be praying. And while you're on your elliptical, pray, pray, just pray all the time. 
Let me release you from that religious burden of, oh, I didn't pray because I didn't have my shawl and I didn't have, I wasn't in my closet. No, pray all, you cannot afford not to be praying right now. Pray. Let me just free you from that. I haven't been praying enough. Yes, you know you haven't been praying enough because you have not been uh, directly taking your petitions to the only one who can solve them. That's when you haven't been praying. You have not been praying because you didn't go to Highland Heights Baptist Church, turn on one knee, and start praying. That's not a lack of prayer. A lack of prayer is when you don't take your burdens to the only person who can fix it. That's when you haven't been praying. Pray all the time. Pray in every kind of manner you possibly can, right? Prayer is when you make your petitions to a good and gracious God and you submit the outcomes to him. That's what prayer is. Get them up. You like, a, you like Tim Johnson when Mike and Lee opened the gym up. Sam, I'm like, man, I'm just in the shooting slump. But you know what? Shooters got to keep doing we got to keep shooting, baby. Now, I've been in my shooting slump for about 20 years, but that's all right. I'm coming out. The next one is a good one, Blake. See? Steph Curry. Let's talk about the two ones that I do think feature prominently in this story. First, let's just talk about processing. There's a time to pray. There's a time to process and a time to proclaim, especially if we want to encourage ourselves. Now, what, is pro what does it mean to process? The Tim Johnson definition just means this. It's the journey to understand and make sense of and deal with your difficult feelings in a healthy and productive and Christ-exalting way. That's the difference right there now. You could take most of this and put it anywhere at any time. But guess what? If you are trying to work through difficult feelings and emotions, and you are not trying to bring those things into submission to Christ, then those things can lead you down some different kind of tunnels. So you got to make sure you add that one to the end of the list, that we want to take these difficult emotions. You do not have autonomy over your difficult emotions. So you can't do with those whatever you want to do with them, but you are free to feel them. That's what it means to process, right? I hijacked this from some scholar on the internet. But I think ways, if you are thinking about processing and what that means, first of all, I just think it just means you have to have an awareness of your actions. It just starts with an awareness of your actions, right? Uh, a lot of times, um, there's a beautiful psalm, might be Psalms 32, might be Psalms 42, where David starts to even unpack how his guilt has started to really be felt in his body. He had been hiding things and walking in unrepented sin, and he was starting to feel it in his literal body. And you got to pay attention. It's one thing that I have not done a great job. I'm learning how to do more and more as I get older and older. you got to pay attention to yourself and your body. Man, I'm just sweating. Man, I just seem to want to sit down all day and binge on Netflix. Man, i got a short temper. Man, I'm really impatient. Man, I just don't want to do nothing. Man, I'm just eating ice cream all the time. I pay attention. What's going on in you? Because that might be the first thing to signal to you, hey, something might be a little off. So I think if you're processing, you need to learn how to be aware of your actions. I think it's really easy as we look at this story to see how much these individuals were hurting, right? 
They literally, they were, David's little hundreds of men, they were a nomad group. So they made their living raiding other tiny villages or other villages in Philistine, right? They went off to raid a village. They got back. And guess what? The whole village is burned down to the ground. Now, I want you to feel the gravity of this. These are real mercenary fighting men. I just watched the CrossFit champions, and I was like, my son was like, Dad, can you do that? I was like, yeah, son. Let me just. (laughs) But these are some rough dudes. They kill people for a living. But when they get back to their village, they see it burned down and their wives or children are gone. What did it say? They wept so hard that they cried until they literally couldn't cry no more. Hurting. Them boys was hurting. (laughs) Do you know when you're hurting? Or do you maybe have to even get to a place where some of us have to get to a place where we literally just cry till we can't cry no more? I think the first thing to process, and you gotta beware of your actions, and I think you gotta acknowledge those feelings. You gotta try to name them. You gotta try to be honest with yourself, and you gotta try to allow yourself to feel. I just wanna rebuke. Sometimes some of us have grown up in some weird environments where we think the more, the less we feel, the more victorious we are in Jesus. And that's just not true. It's not true. Anytime Jesus, before he's getting ready to do the pinnacle moment, the apex of our faith, he literally looks at his homeboys and he's frustrated with them. Why are y'all sleeping not praying with me? Anytime Jesus cries tears of blood, he's got all the feelings, y'all. Maybe I'm just licensing some of y'all today. You have to feel. If you're sad, you just got to say I'm sad. You know, some of y'all have been soiling your kingdom work, just trudging through things. I'm okay. Brother, we can tell something's wrong. I'm okay. Let me read the scripture and glorify God. It's like, brother, we can tell something's wrong. I'm okay, man. Let's just worship Jesus. Brother, can we just tell you? Oh, it's okay. You are not any less loved and accepted because you acknowledge something's just off. You got to process. You got to feel. Sometimes we got to invite people into that space with us. Got to let people share in that. Let me just give you some more alliteration (laughs) just in case you need it. If you just want a a roadmap to how I let people into my feelings, maybe just start with your other parishioners. How about the people around you, the people who said that they would be your covenant family? How about you just raise your hand and say, even if you can't even figure out how to tell them the details, even if you're too ashamed to tell them how you're hurting, just say, hey, I'm hurting. I don't even know what to tell you yet, but I just know I need to tell somebody. Would you pray with me? How about you go to your pastors? The elders, your core family facilitators, the people who this church has said, hey, man, hey, we put the stamp on them that at the very least they could care for you and point you back to the one who loves your soul. Why don't you tell them what's going on? 
And then sometimes we add in there people who can sit down with us in specific times where things aren't so busy and help us understand deep-seated trauma and things and triggers and we go see professionals. That's okay too. But you gotta learn how to process. And for some of y'all, I think the key to your healing and the key to your thriving in 22 and 23, I think will be your ability to slow down and process your feelings. Because when you process your feelings, they help us to determine what you're really longing for. When you spend three hours on the elliptical, you're not trying to look good. There's something else going on in your heart. And when we can slow down and we can get with you, we can help you identify the, the fears and we can help you identify your wounds and we can help you identify your idols. When you can slow down and we can process, we can identify your fears, we can identify your wounds, and we can identify your idols. And if we can identify those things, that's the first thing that will help us on the path to healing and encouragement and strengthening. But if you never slow down and you play the church game, you walk in here, you walk out, nobody knows you, we don't know what you're going through, nobody knows what you're trying to work through, and you're trying to show us that you raise your hands, you're trying to show us that you're faithful, but nobody knows what's really happening in the inside. It's all a farce. And the people who you love to talk about in the New Testament, the whitewashed tombs, that's really what you're allowing yourself to become. Something on the outside that is eroding on the inside. You don't want a Christianity like that. Let us walk with you. So I think there's a couple telltale responses to difficult feelings and emotions when you don't process. Some of y'all, write, write these down. I don't think I told Alexia to put these up. So I would just want to know, this is something to talk about you and your buddies, your accountability, your wife later on. Which one are you more susceptible to do? When you have difficult stuff going on, sin or wait, are you an ignorer? That's usually a Tim Johnson kind of move. I'm just going to plow through it until I drop. I'm okay. I'm okay. <laughs> I'm going to ignore it. Are you a bootstrap kind of person? You... Maybe you've gotten to the first step of trying to process difficult stuff, but your first instinct, I'm gonna figure this out myself. And then you just, okay, you just, okay, uh, this is what I need to do. And you know what, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, we wanna buy a house in 10 years, and so, you know, but, but both of us got these teacher salaries and we wanna live in Collierville next to John Moran. So, you know what I'm saying, this is what we gotta do. And I'm gonna take an extra job. Okay, okay. How many of y'all bootstrap folks, right? You just gonna, you just gonna, you gonna figure it out, right? Some of y'all are fatalists and nihilists, right? You turn to the, see, I knew it wasn't going to work out anyway. Life is hard. It's just all stinky. I can't expect good things. Some of y'all immediately turn to pessimism. Then my favorite, some of y'all turn to a random anonymous optimism. There's a favorite artist of mine who makes me so upset because he has these songs about man he leads these people and they're jamming and this song's like it's gonna get better 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 and one day I was like well how and why 
On what basis will it be better for these folks? Because you got them up in this concert, and guess what, Mike G? They're going to return to the same thing they left to. Now, on what basis can they build their hope? Just a cute phrase. It'll get better. How and why? Tell me. It's like the celebrities who win, who win the Grammy, you know what I'm saying? I just you know, thank the Lord, you know what I'm saying? You know, life is good. Based on what now and why? You got to be careful, too, because we even have a stream of Christianity where it's just like Christian motivational speaking. Don't give up. Well, my, my high school coach told me that. Why is it that I don't have to give up? This is harder and it's more challenging than I'm able to be able to deal with. Why should I move forward? On what basis? And I'm just telling y'all, if I did not know Jesus, I would have to fit into one of those categories. Just one of those things would have to be the way I navigate it. Either I would just choose random optimists, I'd be a fatalist, I'd just be a pessimist, you know what I'm saying? Or I'd try to figure it out by myself, or one of the, or I'd just ignore it. I'd have to fit into one of those. But because I am a Christian, I don't have to choose that. And my optimism is based on something. Something sure, things will get better because he's making all things new. So we can say the same things, but we have different things undergirding it. Who's co-signing your optimism? My Jesus paid my security deposit for my optimism. Not even a deposit, he paid it in full. So I can be more optimistic about my life as a Christian. Because this fight is fixed, y'all. So let's talk about it. How does David find strength in the Lord and what in the world does he mean when he's doing that? Well, when David turns, he's no longer processing. He's not processing no more when he's strengthening himself. He's not actually praying no more when he's strengthening himself. He's switched it. Because when you strengthen yourself, it's when you declare something. What I put it, when you, oh, boom, it's when you declare God's truth as a reality. That's when you move to encouraging yourself, to strengthening yourself, to proclaiming. There is a time where you have to take your supplications and you bring them to God. There is a time when we have to process. But once, do y'all know the end of processing? At the end of processing, after we have sat down and we have identified feelings, we've identified the wounds, we've identified triggers, and what? We still got to do something with it. This is that part. This is where we take the offensive and we encourage ourselves. And this is why Christianity tells a so much better story than anything else in the world. Because Christianity does not just bring clarity to our worldview. Christianity does not help us with just more helpful information. Christianity is a power. 
It is a power. David is tapping into a power in his world. He's not He's not scheming right now, y'all. They are literally thinking about stoning him because, dude, you let us away and our wives and children are gone and our homes are missing. Bro, we about to take your life. Now, you would think he would either be hightailing it, running, or sitting out, figuring out, making allegiances. What does David do? No. Let me run to my God first. Let me encourage myself in him. How do you encourage yourself? I think it starts, you got to remember, you got to get your mind back on God's faithfulness in his word. You got to recall his deeds. That's why so much of the Psalter is just recounting stories of what God has done, what he's led us through, the mountains that he helped us get over, the valleys that he navigated us through. We got to be good storytellers in here. We got to tell them to our children. We got to tell stories of God's faithfulness. And then we got to remind ourselves of his word. But guess what? You can't remember what's not there. You can't tell yourself something you ain't never heard. That's why it's important to get up under God's word, to experience it as often as you can, to sing it to yourself. Shoot, get the children's video, watch VeggieTales, get anything, put it in you, because you can't draw on an account and ain't no money in it. Uh, excuse me, sir, just want to tell you, we can't process your withdrawal. What you mean? That, them some hard days when I was in high school, coach. Them hard days. Bro, can you get a ride? Yeah, come on, take you, bro. Hold on, man. I ain't got number $7.26 in my account. I ain't going to make it. Sorry, y'all. Bad humor. One of the things that I want to try to move us in over the next eight weeks is really just memorizing the word, hiding it in our heart. I want us to speak with more scripture. And I don't care how churchy or legalistic, take it up with Jesus. I don't care. I really don't care. I don't care. There's no other way, y'all. We're going to put that word in our heart. And I think once one time, maybe I think we thought this was elementary, we learn scripture when we're young, but then we learn theology when we get older. But your theology not helping you. I just see, I'm watching you. You don't have no joy. You don't have no peace. Your life ain't anchored. You know a whole lot of systems. But what you drawing on, what you being encouraged by, don't seem to be helping you. Now, I'm not fighting against theology, but I, what I am advocating for is living word that's bringing life to your soul. And we're just going to take small passages of scripture, and we're just going to worship over them, we're going to pray over them, we're going to share them with each other, and we're just going to hide them deep in our hearts so we can draw on them when we need them. When you are strengthening yourself, you're not participating in works-based Christianity. You're not bootstrapping, I got to do this. What David did at this lowest moment was activate everything that was true for him, right? Do you realize that as a Christian, 
you have access to things that nobody else on this planet does. Y'all realize that? That God's promise of peace and strength and, and provision, that is not to everybody. That is only to those people are who are his sons and daughters through faith. Do you really believe that? Because if you did, that's where you would go first. Man, at least I know I can go to my daddy, the prodigal son. Even when I figure I've made a mess of my life, even when I've made a mess of my situation, I'm going to go back to where I know I got it good. I imagine when David strengthened himself, maybe he said something like this from Psalms 56, which I know he did because Psalms 56 is associated with 1 Samuel 21 when he first was surrounded at Gath. He says, be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me all day long, an attacker oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all day long, for many attack me proudly. When I am afraid, though, I put my trust in you. Is David praying right there? He just declaring the truth. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you, in God whose word I praise, in God I trust. I shall not be afraid. Is he praying right there? Mm -mm. What can flesh do to me? All day long they injure my cause. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They stir up strife. They lurk. They watch my steps as they have waited for my life for their crime. Will they escape? In wrath, cast down the peoples, O God. You have kept count of my tossings, put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book, all my tears? Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know, that God is for me. Do you know that? When the last time you declared that over your life? That God is for me. In the middle of your low finances and budget. God is for me. In the middle of the classroom where the kiddos in the administration are going crazy. God is for me. In God whose word I praise. In the Lord whose word I praise. In God I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? If you want to be a healthy Christian, you better learn how to talk to yourself. I want scripture to saturate us this year. When Lamu was up here, I wasn't praying over her. I was reminding her who she was. I don't have to pray about things that's already been settled. I am a child of God. You are a child of God. You are the head and not the tail. You are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who loved us. All things are working together for the good of those who love God. And he will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. He is able to do exceedingly above and beyond all that you can access. Think. He is able to deliver you from this present world of darkness. He is able, he who began the work in you, to see it through to the day of completion. 
I'm not playing with the devil, and I ain't playing with my heart. You got things to do. We better be ready to strengthen ourselves. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to memorize the word. We'll send out a, all of the verses, but we'll take one verse a week. And we'll commit it to memory. We'll send out some journaling prompts. And we'll take a day of the week and we'll journal about that word. So we think deeply about the verse and its implications for our life. We're going to give you a challenge to share that word. Take that word. Take its implications. Find somebody in your family, your class, your coworkers, and just encourage them. Hey, I just want to tell you what we've been learning at church. We got to activate that part of our life. We got to pray this word. We're going to pray the truth of this verse over ourselves and for other people. And we're going to worship. We're going to praise God for his word to us. It's going to be an interesting year full of twists and turns. But the chorus of my homie song goes like this that if it goes up, then it comes down. He said, You can go up. But you can also come down. But everything is for a season. And seasons go around. But you keep looking up to Jesus. Keep looking up to Jesus when things go down. Let's pray.